0: This is On Your Radar, the podcast series we record at WGN Radio. Hi, I'm John Williams. This is our fifth series of podcasts. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about older adults who have had to cope with loss and loneliness during the pandemic. On a phone line with us today is Craig Stallings. He's the regional vice president of Rosecrans. Hi, Craig. Welcome to the pod. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And Brenda Eilif joins us, the Vice President of Clinical Services at Rosecrans Jackson. Brenda, it's nice to talk to you again. How are you?
1: You too, John. I'm great. Thank you.
0: We know that Rosecrans deals with whole hosts of populations and is particularly efficacious in working with young people. But in this podcast, we want to talk about some of the special challenges that older Americans have faced during the pandemic. People 65 and older account for, now it says here in front of me, only 16% of the population. I would think it would be a higher percentage of the population, but whatever number that is, I suppose they have faced, Brenda, different challenges, different thoughts, different concerns during the pandemic. True?
1: Absolutely. You know, as people age, there's different things that they encounter. They also have different life experiences, um, resiliency in many ways. But many times people, as they age, they struggle with um, loss of dreams, medical issues, maybe forced retirement. And COVID has really put a lot of those things on the table much faster than most people would want to experience them.
0: Craig, you probably uh, agree with that, huh? Uh, definitely so. Um, I would also
2: add um, kind of that forced isolation. Um, you know, when the pandemic started, it you know, obviously it happened so uh, rapidly it seems that it forced everyone indoors and, and into the isolation. So that compound with the, the issues that, that Brenda um, established are, are pretty significant.
0: And I suppose you're right that, I mean, they were dealing with issues of isolation before the pandemic. Their kids get older, their grandkids don't live in the same town as them, so they've felt maybe a little removed from their support structures anyway. And now we put a layer of this on them, and it says, well, you can't interact with these people at times. And you do, you got to wear a mask, and they don't like that either. So maybe it's even, I don't know if it's fair to say, harder on them. Everybody comes to it uniquely, but I can see how this would be... Really difficult, Craig, for senior citizens.
2: Absolutely, I think when you add at the the fear or the the rate of uh, COVID related deaths uh, for individuals sixty five and older, you know that fear before um, the um, uh, vaccines uh, came in place was was significant. You know, well, that's so, such a good
0: point, isn't it? I mean, my goodness, for some of us, it's going to affect other people, but if you are sixty five plus, it's going to quite possibly affect you, mostly. Absolutely. Which, uh, Brenda, must be terrifying in a way then to 65ers plus, right?
1: Absolutely. You know, a lot, like I said earlier, a lot of folks, this has a, been a marginalized population forever, you know, and our, we, we talk um, repeatedly about young people and substance abuse and young people and mental health, but we rarely talk about people even fifty plus and mental health issues or substance use issues. Um, and then we add COVID which is of the of the people who've died from COVID over over eighty percent are people that are over sixty five because they've walked into COVID with extra medical conditions. twenty um, percent of people over sixty five have at least Five medical conditions walking into COVID, and hmm. then add that. 50% have at least three chronic medical conditions. Many are um, using polypharmacy. They're on five or more meds. And so it's a very much population at risk. And then they've also experienced many losses. And then you add COVID, and the losses may be a friend, maybe a partner, maybe um, forced retirement, maybe um, loss of connection with family as you said. So it's a very difficult time for people that are a little bit older.
0: Do we get dismissive of the concerns of older adults too? We say, ah oh, well that's just the way they are. Grandma's that way. And in fact we wouldn't do that to our teens. We wouldn't do that to our spouse. But we just write that off as well they're older.
1: They can't change. Doesn't matter, you know. Um and and people can feel that, you know. It's Like I said, it's been a marginalized population for a long time, and this has only marginalized it even more.
0: Talk a little bit more about that, Craig. I mean, um, that loneliness issue, I don't think we can emphasize that enough.
2: Absolutely, and I think it only exasperates or, or accelerates some. Um, The the process of deterioration. So it it is significant on a person's mental health and and physical health.
0: And um, this has been my experience with my parents who have, lucky for me, still been alive, still live in their home with help during the day. But there tends to become a sort of um, almost self-imposed isolation, too, where Mm -hmm. we don't get out. Uh, we can't exercise as much as we used to. There are fewer options available to them.
2: It, it is, but then it also, I think, it's a little bit. It's self imposed, you know. Being able to learn how to do things differently, you know, and uh, and understanding and learning how uh, to create some opportunities for for exercise in the home or taking a walk outside when weather permitting. Um, you know, there's just some things that could be done, but it but it took a, an adjustment you know, really uh, with how things, how we uh, know things to be.
0: Well, maybe then this is a message for the uh, adult children or the older children, if they're not adults yet, to say, hey, um, if they're not as able to or as willing to attack this thing, I almost say attack, right? Like, Mm -hmm. don't be a victim to the pandemic. Let's go ahead and get through this thing. We're going to have to push them a little bit more, Brenda, don't you think?
1: We do, we do, and that's difficult for folks because, as you said, the families are living all across the United States. Many people don't have families, you know. So then, what do we do? Who's helping them, you know? And the importance of community, which Rosecrans is so focused on with people with substance abuse and mental health disorders. But how can we bring that strength of the importance of connection and community for older adults, um, whether they're living in assisted living? You know, a lot of a lot of folks. Um, that I've talked with over the years that are older, they get tired of making friends because they've lost so many friends. And it takes energy to make friends, Yeah, to reach out, you know. But how can we provide education through podcasts like this but also normalization of these processes of grief, that it's not easy. It's easy for us to sit here with healthy bodies and say, yeah, go for a walk and, you know, video your grandkids. What if I don't know how to work a video? What if I don't know how to FaceTime? And so a lot of losses. I think it's important that we do as much as we can to preserve people's dignity by giving them choices. You know, you said your parents have... um, help brought into the home, more power to them, but they have resources to do that. And right now, with the lack of labor, we're seeing even those, those people um, not being able to help. So that whole fear of, what if I need help and there's nobody to help me? You know? A lot of struggles for people as they age.
0: Craig, what do you think about that?
2: I think Brenda makes an excellent point when you when you talk about um really this is this runs the gamut of from individuals who are as brenda said healthy and active and have um and have resources to those that that don't you know and I think so it's important to really identify and understand you know where the senior may be you know uh, in their particular life you know um there are opportunities um and programs that are available to to come out to the individual's home. Uh, to um, To provide some degree of, of telehealth services uh, that we can make some connections um, that uh, goes shies away from the traditional office settings, but it's being able to identify which of those programs are available in the communities. And again, as Brenda spoke about the um, the lack of um, of workforce out there is making this a little bit difficult. However, there are still um, those programs, um, many of which Rosecrans offers, you know, in um, support. of of individuals who are at home and and folks who are isolating.
0: What's the advice from the two of you about how to talk to older Americans about this? Um, Should we be super cheerful and positive, or should we... Uh, say, you know, get in the mud and talk about how how awful this can be, how challenging it can be. Uh, I see some people, I've seen this again around my parents, where they'll come in and where mom or dad might go down that road, they sort of try and steer them back on the happy road. (laughs) What what do you make of all of that?
2: Well, I think some of it is, um, you know, we often say in um, therapy, you know, kind of meet the person where they're at. You know, I think you have to start with understanding where where that individual is. And and I think when we have a better understanding of where they are, we can speak to them at a particular level. You know, I, I think it comes a little bit of maybe being a little uncomfortable when we want to steer people away from you know some of the, the negatives or some of the, the problems that they having, and then we want to see we want to show them the 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 happy side of things. That's kind of our uncomfortability, as opposed to meeting that person where they're at and and being able to look for uh, particular options or resources based upon what their needs are.
0: Oh, that's interesting. So I'm doing that not because I want to make them feel better, but because I don't want to feel bad dealing with this. So I'm going to focus on the bright side. But Brenda, maybe I ought to let them say, no, here's here's what hurts right now, and here's what I'm worried about, and then let them have that moment, huh?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, five minutes of that moment, whatever that moment is, or ten minutes, can make a world of difference because somebody finally heard me and how hard this is. You know, you talked about preserving dignity, showing compassion, meeting people where they are, um, but also um, giving people the facts, too, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. shooting straight. I mean, that's one of the things we do at Rosecrans with substance abuse and mental health. A lot of it is about education. What are the facts? You know, a lot of families have just been divided over this COVID stuff and politics and and yet, a lot of times, older adults, they're, they're just waiting for that family gathering, whatever that is, whether it's Zoom or Thanksgiving or Hanukkah. Or, and um, it's, a, it's a tough time for people because they're, they, may be, they may be going into a divided family and different ideas. And what are the facts? We don't know what the facts are. But what we do know is we've got mom and dad that's hurting sometimes. And that's really important as we go through this.
0: And their children and grandchildren probably aren't all on the same pages, too. Oh. So there they are as the patriarchs and matriarchs, and they have this division beneath them. And that's probably hurtful to them, too. Boy, I haven't heard anybody talk about that, how, how awful it must be for grandma or grandpa to watch all of us bickering about all of these issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And how awful, mm-hmm. as a child to watch your parents hurting. They're supposed to be in charge, and now we got this world that's going crazy with COVID, and they can't fix
0: it. You know, when we were talking with some of your colleagues about how to deal with younger people, say, in the workforce or graduating from high school and college, it was suggested that you just bring it up. You approach them and say, how's it going here at work? How is this new job doing? The supervisor might stop and say, let's just talk to you about where you are right now. I don't know that we do that with our grandparents or with our parents, uh, Craig. Maybe, maybe we could borrow a, a page from that book, huh?
2: Absolutely. You know, um, yeah, something that Brenda said a little bit earlier. She talked about resiliency. You know, and when you when you think about it, you know, many of our seniors are so resilient. They've been through many have been through so much. You know, uh, far more than, than than we have. You know, in our lives. And so, uh, you know, being able to kind of tap into that resiliency and, and knowing that there is still support out there and there's different things that we can learn and provide and, and um and, and so I think being able to be, to be able to speak to those things in a way that is um you know rational and 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 um like I said meeting meeting the the older adults where they are, you know, and so um so I do think that there is still possibilities in in, in working with this group.
0: The two of you are reminding me, Brenda, that, just, that we, I'll just make the point I tried to allude to earlier, and that is that um, we look at senior citizens and we put them in the box. We allow y- younger populations to be different and have all sorts of different thoughts and feelings and have personalities, and, and I don't think we remember that those are the same people. They're just older now, but they still have mm-hmm. those unique thoughts and feelings and personalities, and we need to... Um, uh, either meet them where they are or allow that they can handle this, but let's have a conversation with them about it.
1: Absolutely. And acknowledge they have a lifetime of experience. So not only do they have unique thoughts and feelings, but they have experience to back up the changes they've had in those thoughts and feelings throughout their lifestyle. Yeah. It makes a, good, a wonderful point. These are resilient people who... Have to dig into their bag again to be resilient, and it's tough. You know, sometimes you just get tired of being resilient. But to even be able to say that is okay. You know.
0: Remember when uh, my wife and I bought one of our first homes, and my dad said, "Why didn't you ask me about?" buying a home. Some advice. He says, I bought a lot of homes. I've been through this a lot. I could have helped you more with that. And I thought, yeah, I I guess I didn't think about what a resource your lifetime of experience has been. My dad wasn't buying a home. I was. I didn't think to defer to him, you know.
1: One guy who was an executive and philanthropist and whatever um, told me once, he said, I'm an FIP, a formally important person. Nobody asks my opinion anymore. We can ask, you know, when, when you leave the workforce and you leave people aren't ask people don't ask our opinions, but we can do that for our older generation. Ask how did you go through whatever, you know, the Korean War or, or whatever. They're resilient people.
0: Or, hey, what do you think about this story in the news? I mean, engage them like we would colleagues and other members of the family. Again, maybe we tend to dismiss that. Or, mm-hmm. let's, let's also address, uh, Craig and Brenda, just then some very specific skills or ideas, either that seniors should engage in or that family members should be aware of. Do you have any thoughts about things the seniors themselves should be thinking about, how to best get through this pandemic mentally? I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that they might be resorting to uh, alcohol more than they did in the past, or their medicines get messed up. So let's talk about things they should be thinking about or doing, Craig.
2: Well, um, I'll probably start with the idea that this pandemic forced all Americans— you know, all across the world, into um, situations that they weren't prepared for, you know, and they had to learn to do things differently. and uh, And I think with that uh, is a reminder that we can do things differently. We can learn new traditions, new new things, new ways of doing things. You know, from meeting with. Now, I think about with my mother, we often used a telephone. She wasn't much of a, a computer person, but we got her to start doing FaceTime, you know? And so that, that brought a, a different way of connecting with her and, and other members of the family as, as we started doing group, you know, FaceTiming or whatever the case may be and, and Zoom calling. Who would have thought to do that in the family setting? We do it at work, but we can actually do that for some of our family traditions. So those are some ways that that's new that we can connect families differently. Uh, That also allows us to kind of check in on our loved ones, you know, and see how they're doing. Um, It's one thing to talk to them over the phone and ask how everything's going. It's another thing to kind of get a picture uh, via the computer, you know, where you can kind of, you know, visibly see, you know, what's going on. It then allows you to have some more deeper conversations about how they're taking care of themselves, you know, health-wise or, you know, maybe even pick up on some of the things that may be going awry.
0: What are some of those things, Brenda? What are some red flags that we might notice or think about?
1: Well, we've, don't, we've, we've went into the COVID pandemic with an epidemic, and that was an epidemic of substance abuse for older adults, but we don't talk about it. Um, 17% of older adults have at one time experienced um, some concerns with substance use disorders. Um, very, very strong, but we, we don't talk about it in our society. So some of the things that we can pick up on, especially if we're seeing people face-to-face, you can see the countenance. Um, is mom slurring her words? Is, is her, you know, um, is she shaking? And it's, it's really difficult with older adults because a lot of the symptoms of substance abuse disorders or even mental health disorders can also be symptoms of medical disorders. Slurring words could be stroke. Um, you know, problems with gait can be other issues. So it's really hard unless you, you know, get experts involved to really sort through those things. But even knowing that substance use disorders are going up as well as mental health disorders are going up, and that, that we can, a lot of times, the family's the first person to see it, or the hairdresser, or if they're getting their hair dressed, or the physical therapist, or the home health nurse, or you know, the person that sees them. So um, I would encourage people, enter it with compassion and stick to the facts. You know, um, for older adults, a lot of times, just even bringing it back to a medical concern. Mom, I'm concerned about your diabetes. I'm wondering if your drinking has the impact to that. can be helpful. Bringing it back to what matters to them. Mm-hmm. The grandkids matter for most folks. Career matters to a lot of folks. Um, so where, what's important to them?
0: And I guess this will sound stupid, having heard what you just said, but older adults and oldest adults are susceptible, too, to anxiety and depression and alcoholism and drug abuse, the things that we're so worried about with the younger generation. Uh, the, The people in the latter stages of their lives, I guess, are as susceptible to that, too, huh, Brenda?
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, in our society, we have an inverted curve for substance use disorders. It's high risk as we're young goes down as we hit middle age, and then it starts to go back up probably about age 47 because our metabolism changes. But not only does our metabolism change, um, there's a lot of social um, factors that play into it. So, um, yes, they are very much at, at, at risk, but we don't talk about
0: it. Craig how many things we should have paid attention to before the pandemic that the pandemic is now causing us to pay attention to. Brenda Absolutely. I didn't I didn't realize that and yet everything you guys have said to us in this podcast so far would have made great sense in 2015 as well, right? Uh, or 2018 mm-hmm. or 2019 right up to the pandemic. It's just accelerated now and and maybe there's a little more light on this issue right now.
2: You know, I'm always one looking for, trying to look for a bright spot. And I think when there's opportunities to learn and do things differently, and I think we've learned some things from this pandemic, that uh, we learned um, new ways, different ways to provide um, services um, to um, to our clients. And uh, so I think that's something that's going to carry forth, you know, and so, you know, that's, you know, if I dare say, there's a bright spot to the pandemic. That is, that is one of them. Is, is learning how to do things differently.
0: Well, I think uh, businesses and relationships, everybody, and learning how to live through the pandemic has sometimes learned ways to live more profitably, or more efficiently, or, or maybe mm-hmm. more transparently. In this case, so yeah, let's let's try and make the most of this bad situation. Um, so then, the last thing for the two of you, if. What's your thought about uh, communication with older adults who maybe we don't get to see in person or even see every week? Would you recommend a call every day or would you recommend b- just five minutes checking in? Or do you think once a week, but give them 45 minutes on the phone? Um, maybe my question should what be more com- Say it yeah. again.
1: What do they want? I'd ask them. Mom, mom what would you like dad what would you like am i bugging you every day you know my helicopter daughter or um yeah i'd ask him um yeah. it's not it's not a cookie cutter for anybody anybody some some older adults they don't want to be bothered every day they're all living life yeah yeah, you know?
2: yeah. there's a difference between uh, loneliness and being alone you know and so you could be alone and not be lonely
0: Brenda, what's your last thought as we just contemplate the unique challenges older Americans are facing in this pandemic and how we can help them or help us help them?
1: You know, I, what came to me is the stigma of aging and that um, we we have to be careful of that. A lot of our leaders are vibrant and they're out there and they're doing life and stuff. So I would encourage all of us to look at our stigma when it comes to aging and substance use and all kinds of stuff that we do, so
0: yeah, I think that's good advice. I mean, Craig, I'll close with you then. I mean, I here I just said we should respect the individuality of all these individuals, and then I said what should we do with them? As though mm-hmm. one solution would fit all. So I'll, uh, I'll 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 learn from this podcast already, Craig. What are, a, a final thought for you?
2: Maybe the one thing that can fit all is to be kind, be understanding, and be patient.
0: Craig Starlings is the regional vice president of Rosecrans, and Brenda Iliff is the vice president of clinical services at Rosecrans Jackson. Really well put, the two of you. I've enjoyed this conversation. I think it's um, a unique conversation, and I think it's been very helpful. Thanks for giving us your thoughts and time today. John, thank you very much for having us. Appreciate you.
2: This is On Your Radar,
0: The New Normal, a
2: podcast series produced by WGN Radio and the doctors and clinical staff at Rosecrans. With over 60 locations throughout Chicagoland, Northern and Central Illinois, Wisconsin and Iowa, help is just a click or call away. Go to rosecrans.org or call 866-830-8729 for more guidance and information. Rosecrans, life's waiting.